Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer or whatever you drink from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey there, got my beer cracked open and ready for Soul Ramblings podcast for this week, this final week of February. We're two months into the new year already, can you believe it? We've got a sermon I had to, as a matter of fact, this was put together last minute. I had to fill in for a good friend of mine who was a bit under the weather and is a preacher at a local church here, Manatee United Methodist Church, and I had the opportunity that I was humbled and honored that he asked me to fill in for him. Sorry that he was sick, but he seems to be on the mend now and is doing just fine. But I've got that sermon. It's called Calling Shotgun, and it's based on Mark chapter 10. We'll get into that here in just a little bit on the podcast. We are now available. You can listen to us on YouTube. Just search Soul Ramblings Podcast on YouTube and it should pop up there. We'll have a link in the show notes, and in case that doesn't work, you can click right to it. And be sure to subscribe once you're there. We'd love to have you listen to us on YouTube. This week's book review is a book called Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life, and it's by Richard Rohr. This book is actually several years old, as I am now 55. I'll be 56 later on this year. Wow. <laughs> but as I'm getting older and into my mid to late 50s, I must admit I was a bit put off of, from this book when I first started. Now, Rohr is a Catholic priest, and it took a while for me to sink into his vocabulary and understand how he was using his words. This is not an easy read. You'll need to take time in reading this. I mean, the 30-page intro alone is rough going, no matter how you look at it. But once you get to the early chapters where he uses the story from the Odyssey by Homer to explain his point, I was hooked. The key insight is that the modern world tricks us into thinking growth and meaning, and maturity for that matter, is a, is a straight line. And Rohr, who has also written about spiritual direction, male initiation rites, mystic spirituality, and other topics, seems well prepared for a book about maturity. Now, this book is not so much about aging as it is about learning how to see our own growth and life as a journey and not a particular destination. A recurring theme of the book is that the first half of life is about learning the rules, and the second half is about learning when it is appropriate to break the rules. Now, Rohr is not anti-establishment. He thinks establishment is important, but it is also important to understand when establishment is a hindrance, and when you can appropriately see that, you have entered the second stage of life. He summarizes much of the book in a few thoughts about two-thirds of the way into the book. One, we are created with a drive that sends us looking for God. Two, that journey is not a straight line. Three, the God-sized whole has been intentionally created in all of us so that only grace and divine love can satisfy it. Four, God is found in the depth and the superficial is where sin and addiction trap us. And five, we find something real in all religions because they speak of heaven or nirvana or something similar. We can live a glimpse of that now, but the glimpse is a glimpse of God. 
After reading it, I must admit, I, I do look forward to getting older now. Not to, you know, just boss people around or gain respect, but because I want to help people live better and learn from the mistakes I have made. And that's what this podcast really is all about. Life is about sharing, and that's probably the thing I am most hopeful for about falling upward. My biggest takeaway from the book, maturing is not a straight line, and it does not automatically come with growing old. I give it three stars. Falling Upward by Richard War. Check it out for yourself. Let me know what you think. We'll be right back after this short break. You are not only saving a child's life, you're breathing life back into that family. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. At St. Jude, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. There is St. Jude. Donate now at stjude.org. All right, time to get into today's sermon. This is Calling Shotgun from Mark chapter 10. This is a sermon I preached a couple of weeks ago, filling in over at Manatee United Methodist Church. Got a link to their church in the show notes of this episode. Right now, let's get into today's sermon. God's word for today comes to us from the gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter, starting with the 35th verse. Manatee United Methodist Church, hear the word of the Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Church, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable to you. 
O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. The name of this uh, sermon, it's Calling Shotgun. Did you ever, when you, I know when, I am the oldest of three brothers, and when we were little, when dad would get in the car to go somewhere, we would, all three of us, would race, and I'd call shotgun. Hey, man, I was going to sit up front with dad. I was going to sit in the passenger seat, the place of importance. I was the big shot. Sometimes my little brothers won. I wasn't too happy about that. But when I sat shotgun and I won, I had this feeling of superiority over the little minions that were my little brothers who got relegated to the back seat. I thought I was something special. You got the privilege to sit up front with Dad. And this morning's gospel lesson, James and John, they're sort of calling shotgun in the sense that they're trying to vie for the best seats next to Jesus when he is glorified. And the funny and I, I guess the, the sad thing about that is that they have no idea what they're asking. I also remember many times asking my dad things, asking my dad for things when I was growing up, and he said that very phrase to me, Jerry, you have no idea what you're asking for. After getting what I thought I wanted, I realized what he was talking about. Many of you can relate. We get what we want, and we had no idea what we were asking for. Jesus has just told the disciples for the third time before this passage, right before this passage, the third time he's told them what's going to happen in Jerusalem. We're going up to Jerusalem, he says, beginning back up in verse 33, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise from the dead. But the disciples don't seem to be listening because immediately after is when our scripture passage begins. And James and John come up and say, one of us wants to sit at the right hand, one of us wants to sit at the left hand in your glory. It doesn't sink in. It doesn't even scratch the surface with them. And then we're told in verse 35, James and John come to him. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus patiently responds, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let us, one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. James and John are thinking that Jesus' glory involves worldly power. It'll give them a position of authority if they're sitting at his right and his left. They think he'll be politically lifted up. They expect him to rule over Israel like some sort of worldly king. Mm. And James and John, they want in on that power. So much so that they assume Jesus wants that as well. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? 
or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Oh, we can, they reply, still not understanding. Which I think goes to prove that we can be a follower of Jesus Christ and still not get it. One person got that, okay. We can be, we can be a follower church of Jesus Christ and still not get it. Thank you. And, yeah, the same is true of us as good folks, good church-going folk, right? We can be followers of Jesus. We can walk with Jesus. We can talk with Jesus. We can hang out with Jesus' friends and still not get it about being a servant to others. We can use the right religious buzzwords but still not get the basic lesson of life that Jesus was trying to teach James and John and all of us. Whoever, Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Mm. You don't know what you're asking. And what does slave of all mean? It means all. Jesus doesn't mince words there. Slave of all. It means we serve everyone. We are, hum- we are to humble ourselves before everyone. The homeless. Even those who look down on us. Even those who are mean to us. Who don't necessarily love us back. Even those who hate us, those who have stabbed us in the back and tried to ruin us. Oh, wow. That's what Jesus did. You don't even know what you're asking for. You don't even know what you're asking for. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus said. Our gospel lesson for this morning points out our need to recognize how easy it is to give lip service to an idea and how difficult it is to live out the actual requirement of discipleship, which is complete submission to God, which is a wordy way of saying it's easier to talk about it than it is where the rubber meets the road. Do we ask that our lives give glory to God, yet avoid the sacrifice of of ourself for the sake of others? Can we, will we follow Jesus so closely that we accept his faith as our own? Can we, will we follow him in full submission as servants, as slaves, There was a theologian who wrote this. In the shadow of the cross, we get a brief glimpse of a new community in which relations are not governed by power and status, but by service and hospitality for those without status. 
a community in which those who have been ransomed live for others. Jesus may not call us to die literal, dramatic deaths, but he does call us to live dramatically different lives. Dying to the old sinful self and putting the needs of all others ahead of our own. We want you to do for us whatever we ask, said James and John. Have you ever said the same thing? I want you to do whatever I ask, God. Do whatever I ask. I want to ride shotgun with you in your glory. I want to be number one. I want people to respect me. I want people to look up to me. I want, I want to rule with you. I want to have authority with you over others. As I contemplated that, I asked myself the question, what's my reaction to James and John's request? At first, I kind of chuckled when I reread that. And then, I was a bit embarrassed because I've done the same exact thing in my life. John Calvin writes that this passage contains a bright mirror of human vanity because it shows that we who follow Christ sometimes have a different object in view from what we ought to have. So I would challenge us all to ask ourselves this question. When we look in the mirror, are we that much different than James and John? We certainly know better than to make that kind of outlandish, insensitive request. That's why I laughed at it. Like, James and John, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going up to Jesus talking like that. It's almost narcissistic. But then, mm, but then, I have to admit that I spent all times of, all kinds of time in my own head, scheming for privileged positions in my life, seeking to be served rather than to serve. Oh, I would much rather someone serve me than to serve someone else. Now, don't get me wrong. Ambition is a good thing. Jesus is not saying don't be ambitious. But when we mix that ambition with vanity, that's where it gets toxic. And one reason it is poison is because it turns us into, into almost monsters who are willing to do just about anything to get our way. And on our rise to the top or in our trying to rise to the top, a lot of people get stepped on, left, on, left out, pushed around, bullied, and used and treated like objects rather than human beings who are created in the image of God. I saw this quote, and again, I chuckled when I read it. Some people get so caught up in their own agendas that they look at the Trinity as a possible, look at the Trinity for a possible vacancy. 
Maybe there's somebody else that needs to be in that trinity. It's part of our, it's part of our human nature. It's part of our human nature. We're, we're a broken people. We are a broken people. And it's part of what Jesus came to save us from. There is beauty, there is joy, there is hope, and there is freedom in serving others. All, as Jesus said, serve all. In joining with Jesus and forgetting about self, we are told that when the other disciples heard about, heard James and John and what they were saying to Jesus, they got mad, they got angry. And we're not told this. I think the other disciples got mad because James and John had called shotgun before they did. I think that's what they were mad about. And then Jesus calls them all together at the end of the passage there and tells them about the real nature of leadership in the kingdom of God and power in the kingdom of God. He explains to them that it is exactly the opposite of what the world values and the way the world looks. Look, guys, he says, you know how it is in the world. Those who have authority love to give orders and tell everybody what to do. When I won shotgun with over my brothers and I was sitting in that, that uh, glorious passenger seat, I had the authority, I turned around. This was another lesson my father taught me. I would turn around and belittle and berate my little brothers. I used to love to do that. And one day, I started doing that, and my father pulled over, and he said, Jerry, get in the back seat. And one of my little brothers got to sit in my place. Those who have authority love to give orders and tell everybody what to do and look down and talk down to those people. That's the way the world works. They make their authority felt and we can all think of some people who come to our mind some bad experiences we've had with bosses and bullies they could be people we work with or even dare I say people in the church Jesus looks at them and Jesus looks at us and says, it cannot be that way with you. It cannot be that way with you. Jesus calls us to an exact and complete reversal of that. We are to be the alternative to the abusive, abrasive, in-your-face ways of the world. And it takes total submission to God. It takes a lot of Christian maturity to do that. But it is a life lived in love in the kingdom. It is the only way to live as those who have been ransomed by the life, death, and resurrection of the one who came into this world, not to be served, but to serve and save us from our sins. I told Stephanie before, before service began, she walked up here 
we hugged, and I asked her, I said, is, is this where I need to see, sit? And she said, well, we do have a king's throne in the back. If you would like, I could go get it and sit. I said, it's just like you've already heard my sermon. No, I don't want that king's throne. No. Because that's the way the world works. Me, 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 look at me. Look how great I am. No, no, no. We are to be like John the Baptist. I must decrease. He must increase. Look how great he is. Look how great he is. All I am is, I heard it said, this is the best way I've heard it. I'm just a beggar like you, but I know where to get the bread. I know where to get the bread. The bread is in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're all the same. We're all made in the image of God. Not one of us is better than the other. I don't sit with Jesus on his right or his left in his glory. I sit at Jesus' feet just like you, begging for the bread of life, the living water that he told the Samaritan woman about. Amen? I leave you with this. I challenge us to no longer call shotgun with Jesus, but echo the words of that famous prayer of Francis of Assisi. O divine master, grant that we may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Offered to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, there you go. That is calling shotgun. Let's, let's don't call shotgun with Jesus anymore. Hope you got a blessing out of that. Be sure to go to our Facebook page or our Instagram page. Links are in the show notes. And you can leave a comment there about today's sermon, what your thoughts about it are. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also check us out. Be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you're listening. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and now YouTube, as we told you at the beginning of the podcast. So check us out any of those places or wherever you're listening right now, be sure to click subscribe. On next week's podcast, next Wednesday is actually Ash Wednesday as we begin Lent. This year is just traveling on by. We're almost in, we'll be in Easter before you know it, but we got to go through Lent first and that begins with Ash Wednesday. Next Wednesday, we'll have more about Ash Wednesday. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Here is the last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Until next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast, drink responsibly, keep those conversations going. Grace, peace, cheers. for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, 
Subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Thank you.